and encourages you. And we're going to pick up with the same topic, not in the same place, but we're going to pick up with the same topic. Uh, the title of this morning's message is Let the King Do His Thing. And I want to start reading, and then I'm going to let you know right away I'm going to be chasing a rabbit already. And, uh, but I believe this is a divinely inspired rabbit. And if you're here for the first time and you don't know what a rabbit is, visit us two or three times and you'll know what a rabbit is because I chase a lot of them. And, um, <clears throat> but before I give chase, put up Luke chapter 12, verse 32 on the screen. And I want to read you this verse out of the Passion Translation. If you didn't hear last week's message, it's archived online and I would strongly encourage you to listen to it. Again, the title is Let the King Do His Thing. And I'm going to go ahead and start my clock. Not that it means anything, but it makes me feel good for trying. So don't ever be afraid, dearest friends. Your loving Father joyously gives you His kingdom realm with all of its promises. And as again, I, I need to take a little side journey because when I was praying over today's message... Uh, the Lord began to speak to me about some things and I pulled off to the side of the road because when I'm driving, I very seldom listen to the radio. I get tired of hearing talking heads argue all the time, so I'd rather just pray in tongues as I drive down the road. I get a lot more joy by hearing the voice of God than I do Amen. all of them. And so, um, and if, you know, and if I don't feel like praying, I put on some Motown and that gets me into the spirit just as quickly. But this is what the Lord began to speak to me. And I want you to hear this. I'm going to say it a couple different ways because we need to understand this operation of the kingdom. God provides for you the very thing he requires of you. I want to say that again. God provides for you the very thing that he requires of you. If we word that another way, what God requires of you he will first provide for you. You'll never give anything to God he didn't first give to you. God, this is one of the reasons why God will never be indebted to any man. Because there's never going to be a man who gives to God something God didn't originate. Now this is both liberating, um, well, it, not both, it's liberating, because then I know if God prompts me to give something to his kingdom, be it my time or my resources or my talents, then I need to know even if I don't know where it is. If he asked for it, it's because he provided for it. He already gave it to me. And we read this just, just now out of 1 Chronicles chapter 29 when David said all of these things. And if you read through that, you discover David gave billions of dollars out of the kingdom and billions of dollars out of his own treasury. Now this is amazing when you think about it because I want you to understand that God promotes his people. He takes pleasure in the prosperity of his servants. And according to Jewish tradition, there was never such a thing as an impoverished prophet. The prophets of Israel were not poor. Because according to their own culture, the wisdom of a poor man, and you see this through all throughout the book of Proverbs, the wisdom of a poor man is unheeded. So God would bless his prophets 
by obedience, right? Because we, are y'all with me this morning? I told you I'm chasing a rabbit. That if you're willing and obedient, he'll make you to eat of the fat of the land. He will make, he will increase you. And he will, when, when he increases you, he increases you because of his grace and your obedience to his word. And then his increase purchases you influence. Now keep that in mind as we're, we're going into, he gives you the kingdom. God always has a reason for what he does. And what he does, he blesses you, but he doesn't bless you just to indulge you. God is not trying to make fat, sard, uh, narcissistic, and un, uh, unobedient children. God blesses us to make us a blessing. And so, so, so that... When God blesses you, he purchases for you through his blessing influence. And so God always blesses you or gives you that which he will require of you. Okay? Now let me say a couple other things here. He, listen to this, he asks nothing from you that he's not given to you. We see this in Luke chapter 12, verse 48, just a few verses down the path from where we're starting. When someone has been given much, Luke chapter 12, verse 48, when someone has been given much, much will be required in return. But do you see that you're given much before much is required? Do you see that? Okay. God asks nothing of you. I love this. God asks nothing of you that he has not imparted to you. He endows you with the talents before he asks you to employ those talents. So listen, listen to this. When we get this, and I mean we get this, then we can no longer offer God an excuse because if God asks us to do something, we cannot in faith tell him we don't have that. If God asks you to get involved, you can't tell God you ain't got time. If God asks you to give an offering, you cannot in faith tell him, I ain't got it. It doesn't matter whether it's a dollar or a thousand dollars or a hundred thousand dollars. If God asks you for it, it's because he's already given it to you. This is the reason why we got to offer God our faith and not our excuses. If God says, I want you to do that, all you got to do is say, yes, sir. How that'll come to pass will always require faith. Because sometimes in the natural, we don't see how we can do it. But understand the principle of the kingdom. Everyone say principle of the kingdom. Principles of the kingdom do not change with an ever-changing culture. Our culture is always in flux and in transition, but the kingdom is fixed. The kingdom of our God is absolute. It is now as it was 10,000 years ago. And 10,000 years from now, it'll still be the same. So if it worked in the days of Abraham, it works in the days of Jimmy. And if it works in the days of Jimmy, it'll work in the days of our great, 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 great grandchildren. Amen. One more thing. He, listen to this. And I'm going to, uh, he will provide you the seed before asking you to sow. He will provide you the seed before asking you to sow. In 2 Corinthians chapter 9, verse 10. 
Now he who supplies seed to the sower. He supplies seed. And one translation says he supplies seed for the sowing. Now you might be wondering what's this got to do with today's message? Everything. Because if we understand this unchanging principle of the kingdom, on, then when we read in verse 32 of Luke chapter 12 that he gave us the kingdom, we'll understand that he's giving us the kingdom not for your indulgence, but because you have kingdom responsibilities yes, that you need a kingdom authority in yes, order to do. Yes, you can't do what he called you to do by being you. You can only do what he called you to do by being him. This is the reason why Paul talked about being crucified in Christ. And he said in Galatians chapter 2, verse 20, it's no longer I that live. I ain't you. Look at you. Look at me and I look like me, but I ain't me. Because I've been crucified. And now I'm hidden in him. And the life that I now live, I live by the faith of the Son of God who loved me and gave himself for me. I'm living through him and in him. That's the reason why Paul could change the world. So when God gives us the kingdom, it's so that we can do kingdom work. It's frustrating. Maybe y'all have never discovered this. I have because I'm not the quickest kid on the block. And there's been times when the Lord's told me to do things and I've tried to do them by my vast intellect, my witty disposition, my unlimited bank account. And I failed each and every time make an absolute mess of it, and I give birth to anything, it's Ishmael's. Right? Because we can't do kingdom work in our own strength. We can't do kingdom work in our own intellect. We can't do kingdom work if we don't receive our kingdom position. This is the whole purpose of this series. Let the king do his thing. Quit offering God excuses. Quit fighting for your right to be broken. Quit fighting for your right to be fragmented. Quit holding on to the ashes of your dreams. Let go of all those things and quit finding your identity at points of pain and let God heal you. Let Him promote you. Let Him make you whole because there's a whole other identity awaiting you on the other side of the pain. Far too, we identify with far too many things that are meaningless. We identify with this, we identify with that, we identify with all these things in the natural. What we need to learn to do is identify with Him. And so when we tell stories, it's not for pity, it's for glory. When I tell you about how I was abandoned as a little boy and my grandmother found me on her doorstep with a garbage bag full of my clothes, that's not so I can get your pity. Because that ain't me no more. You understand what I'm saying? I used to live in a, in a state of constant depression, feeling like nobody loved me, nobody wanted me, and I was abandoned and left alone. And the more I felt like that, it took me down a really, really deep, dark hole. But at the bottom of that hole, I encountered a love that was unspeakable, that emanated from a person who never abandoned me, never forgot me, and embraced me. And when he embraced me and I encountered his love, that one who wanted to end his life was replaced by one who enjoyed life. Yes, sir. 
You understand? So I am not that anymore, and neither are you. If you've encountered him, you're not the broken one anymore. So quit identifying yourself as one who was abandoned, divorced, betrayed, hurt, left alone. That wasn't you. That was the other. Now in Christ, old things have passed away. But pastor, I want everyone to know my story. No, you want them to give you pity. And as long as you're looking for pity, you'll never receive glory. But when you're willing to say, I don't need pity anymore, I need glory, because he supplies all of my needs according to his riches, not in pity, but in glory. So see, I don't need you to feel sorry for me, hoping if you feel really, really bad, you'll give me a few pennies. No, that's a beggar. And I've never seen the righteous forsaken, nor his seed begging for bread. I don't need anyone to feel sorry for me because he has touched me and made me whole. Hallelujah, Father. So listen, when it comes to he'll supply seed for the sower, one of the things, all of us who have been taught faith, we've been taught to use our faith to meet the need. And that's great and that's wonderful. But there's a whole other level of life. Faith life, kingdom life. That you and I can experience if we'll begin to use our faith not for the need, but for the seed. I want you to get this. Everyone say, I'm listening. We ain't at the message yet. I'm just filling up the car with gas. We got a long way to go. And a short time to get there. But if we'll begin to believe God for the seed, he'll take care of all the need because he supplies seed for the sower and bread for the eating. Years ago, a friend of mine told me a story, and it's a true story. I'm going I'm, I'm to change the numbers a bit, but you never heard the story, so you don't know if I'm telling you the real numbers or not. But if it's just as a disclaimer, I'm letting you know I'm changing the numbers for simplicity's sake. And truth be told, I don't remember all that he said. But I do remember that my friend, he, he was, he, he, he's a minister, but he, he only preached in a very small network of churches. Right. He, he, no one ever knows him. He's not a famous preacher. He's a very good preacher, but he never he never God never opened up doors for him outside of his network of churches, which was about 10 or 15 churches. All of them, probably 100, 150 people or less. I'm letting you know that because you need to understand. I'm, I ain't talking about T.D. Jakes. I ain't talking about Joel Osteen. I'm talking about a man of God you ain't never heard of. Right. And, and, and he just stays within this certain circle and that's his lane and that's where he's supposed to be. And he shared a story with me how one year at the end of the year when he was with the CPA and they were doing their 990 and closing out the fiscal year for his ministry that he saw what came in and this is why I'm changing the numbers for simplicity's sake. I think it was around $100,000. Let's just say at the end of the year his ministry brought in a grand total of $100,000. That wasn't his income. You understand, right? The difference between gross and net, right? This was everything out of. So $100,000 thereabouts came in for the ministry. But up on the inside of him rose a desire. Everyone say, believe in God for the seed. On the inside, he, he found himself having this desire 
that in the coming year he wanted to give more than what he had made in the entirety of this year. That was his desire. And he said, so he just began to exercise his faith and quit talking to God about his need. And he began to talk to God about his seed. Every day he'd say, Father, I thank you for seed to sow. I thank you, Father, for seed to sow. I thank you, Father, you provide seed to the sower and I'm a sower. So, Father, I thank you for the seed so I can sow because I'm a sower looking for something to sow. And he said, so he just did that every day and, and nothing extraordinary happened. He didn't suddenly find in his ministry a super sugar daddy donor. Right? He didn't. He was not and suddenly invited to preach at a mega church. He said in the natural, nothing changed. Nothing changed. He preached in the same churches, had the same circuit, and didn't pick up any new partners. But he said every once in a while, something extra would come in. And he said whether it was a $20 bill or a $200 check, if it was above and beyond the normal, he just sold it. He just gave it. And he always gave it to his local church because that's what he was believing God for. So he said every time something extra came in, instead of pocketing it, he thought it was seed, so he sold it. Everyone say, believe in God for the seed. Now, when the end of the year had come, and this is when he was sharing his story with me, and he went to the CPA again, he laid out all of his papers, and as they began to do the numbers, he discovered that he had given over 100% of last year's total income. He gave more than 100% of last year's income. And in the natural, Cleve, nothing had changed. He couldn't pinpoint one extraordinary... How many of you remember I've said this to you, that in looking for the spectacular, we miss the supernatural? Right? There was no spectacular event. There wasn't somebody called him up and said, you know what, I've really been impressed with that CD you sent me. Here's a hundred zillion billion million dollars. None of that happened. He just, every time something came in, he sowed it. And here's something he shared only with me that he wouldn't let anyone know. He said that over the course of the years, he had gone a little bit further into debt every year. And nobody knew this. Just his, his, his outgo usually exceeded his income. And so he'd gone to debt a little bit. And then when the next year came, he went into debt a little bit more, but he hadn't paid off this debt, so it was compounded. You understand? Y'all following me? And so over the course of years, he discovered himself in an amazing, under an amazing burden of debt. He owed more than the total of what he had. Okay. So not only had, when believing God for the seed, not only had he sowed above what he believed for, he said he didn't even know how this happened, but his entire debt had been paid off under the course of that year. Wow. So his, he gave more. Y'all yeah, yeah, following me? He, he got a supply. Thank you, Lord. God will supply seed for the sower and bread for the eating. Before he ever asks you for it, he will provide it to you. And so he gave more than $100,000. His debt was paid off. And he said, Jimmy, I put my hand on my heart and I swear before God, we've got more money in our savings account than we've ever had before. Aren't you tired of living by what you can produce? Isn't it time 
that you and I step over into the supernatural realm that we get preached at every single Sunday, but Monday through Friday we ain't experiencing it. I want the supernatural. Not only in my hands, I want it in my pocketbook. Not only in my pocketbook, I want it in my mortal body. So that when I grow old, I don't grow decrepit. I don't want to go home with disease. I want to go home with full strength, good eyes, good heart. Amen? We need God's supernatural activity in our lives. We can't do kingdom work by natural means. Listen to this in 2 Corinthians chapter 9, verse 11, the very next verse. You will be enriched, added to, improved, supplemented in everything for all liberality, which is the quality of giving, which through us is producing thanksgiving to God. Amen. He gives you everything, yes, sir. but one thing he cannot impart, provide, or endow you with, and that's desire. He can't make you desire the supernatural. He can't make you desire his kingdom. He can't make you desire to walk by faith. He'll provide everything, but there's one thing you and I must produce for ourselves, and that's desire. But if we will set our desire upon him, if we will, in sincerity of heart, say, Father, above all things, I desire you. I desire your kingdom. I seek first your kingdom and your righteous way of doing things. Father, my desire is set upon you. Hear me when I tell you this. There is no good thing he will withhold from you. And in actuality, he has already provided you everything, but you'll only be able to access it by desire. And that's one thing he can't give you. But everything else he will. Amen? We need to understand that He is always preparing us for that which He has prepared for us. Yes. All right. Now, having said that, the tank is full of gas. Let's get ready to go. Your loving Father joyously gives you His kingdom realm with all its promises. Now, when we're talking about the kingdom, I got to say this to you. Think authority, not locality. Remember, I told you last week that when they were uh, inquiring of the master about the kingdom, he said, you're making a mistake if you think the kingdom's over there or you think the kingdom's over there. If you're thinking about the kingdom of God as being in Samaria or Jerusalem and you got to run to Pensacola or Kansas City, you're always running after the kingdom. You're making a mistake and you're going to tire yourself out because the kingdom ain't about locality, it's about authority. And whenever a child of God, be man or be woman, walks in the authority of the king, there's the kingdom. Yes, sir. That, this is the reason why in your neighborhood you can be living right next door to a crack house, which is a den of thieves and a house of the devil, but your house be part of the kingdom of the living God. That ain't kingdom, this is kingdom. Why? Because in this house the will of the Lord is done. Yes, so think authority, not locality. When people think locality, this is where we get the idea. And well, you know, he's given you the kingdom, which means you'll inherit the kingdom after you die. I get tired of theologians that put off every good thing about the gospel 
to laughter. And they're making a huge mistake when they think heaven's our home anyhow. Selah, I'm going to let that simmer and marinate a little bit. See, a lot of folks are just, they're waiting for heaven, thing, and that's their forever home. You all know you're only, that's only temporary. We got to learn to live here because the heavens belong to the Lord, but the earth he's given to the sons of men. Yes, So we spend our whole lives waiting to leave. How disappointing some are going to be that only after a short time there, we hear that the bus is loading up. And we're going, the bus to where? The bus back there? I don't want to go. Well, you got to go. I don't want to go. You got to go. Why? Because I made the earth for you. So everyone say, this is my place. I walk in authority and in power here and now. Hallelujah. Because it's your father's good pleasure to give you the kingdom. And I said this to you last week. This does not mean a little corner. Off in the side, just give me a little shanty. Not me, bro. You can have your shanty if you want your shanty. I want to be smack dab in the middle of the will. Amen. Amen. He said, I'm giving you the kingdom yes, and its entirety. Yes, sir. Small thinking don't fit kingdom folk. Listen, I already said this, but to be who God ordained you to be, you've got to let the king do his thing. He's trying to do his thing so that he can release you to change the world. We must stop resisting God and receive from God. Hmm. When we try, listen to this, when we try to produce by effort that which can only be obtained by grace, that is resisting God. I heard that, you didn't finish it. Boom! Because that was a truth bomb right there, falling from the sky. You and I can never produce by effort that which can only be received by grace. And when we're trying to produce it by effort, we're resisting God. Because in essence, what we're saying is, God, I want my hands on it, so when it's done, I can say, look at what I did. And God don't want us to be able to say, look at what you did. He wants us to be able to say, would y'all check out what God did? Would y'all, you see, you, see, you see that, you see, you see the edifice God's built for me? Yes. Be it a home, be it a car, be my life, be my marriage, be whatever it is, be my health. Yes. Would yes. you look at what the Lord has done? Yes. Right, we used to sing a song in church. He healed my body, he touched my mind, he saved me, and we all know that was just in time. Help me praise him. Look at what the Lord has done. He doesn't want you to self-produce. He never asked you to, I like how Jesse says it, God never asked you to pay for it, he asked you to pray for it. He wants you to receive it by faith so that when you get it, you got to tell everyone, look at what the Lord has done. Look at what the Lord has done. He healed my body. I'm doing all the vitamins, baby, but he healed my body. They told me my disease was incurable. 
They told me I'd never walk again. They told me I'd never hear again. They told me I would never smell. I remember a lady in our church years ago. I had a, I had a prophetic word in the middle of my sermon. I was going, I said, someone in here you can't taste. Your taste buds are gone. I said, God's healing your taste buds. No one said nothing, so I thought, well, I missed it. And what this woman did is she suddenly felt her mouth come alive, and she didn't tell me until after church she went out and had spicy Mexican. And she came back to church the next week and said, Pastor, that was me. I hadn't tasted hot sauce in years. And when the hot sauce touched my tongue, he healed my body. He touched my mind. He touched me just in time. He wants to do these things for us, but we're never going to produce it by effort. We've got to receive it by faith. Yes. That's good, man. When we offer, I said this to you last week, but when we offer God our excuses no, sir. rather than our faith. No, God never, when we, is this okay? Yes, when we offer God our excuses, he never says, you know what, I understand. It just, you know what, I, I totally forgot how bad your life was. I didn't realize how broken you were. Silly me. I just, for a moment, you know, I, I forgot. It, 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 I didn't, I, I thought the blood of Christ was sufficient. No, no, no. When we offer him excuses, we look at it as reasonable. He looks at it as doubt. And it's resisting God. When God asks us to do something, what he wants to hear us say is amen. amen. When God says, I want you to do this, I'm asking you to steward for me an entire kingdom. Well, Lord, I can barely make my bed. Quit offering excuses and say, yes, sir, I will train yes, myself. Sir. I will walk step by step until I can steward for you an entire kingdom. Yeah. Offer him our faith. Hallelujah, Father. I don't know if this is helping you, but it's blessing me. Listen to this. When we try to draw out the plans of our life by development rather than by revelation, that is resisting God. God doesn't want you to develop the plan for your life. He wants you to receive it by faith. Because if we blueprint our life, we're going we're gonna to draw out too small of a thing. Because God is able to do exceedingly. God is able to do abundantly. God is able to do above and beyond anything we can think or hope or imagine. So if we receive from him the blueprint of our life, it's going to blow our minds. We're going to say, God, I never knew I could write so many books. God, I never knew I could sing so many songs. God, I never knew I could CEO a business of that size. I never knew I could steward all this for you. God, you must have a lot of faith in me. And he says, I do. Because you're fearfully and wonderfully made and I know your potential. And to me, you are special and I got a lot of faith in you. Hallelujah, Father. Listen to this out of Psalm 35, verse 27. Let them shout for joy and rejoice who favor my righteous cause or my vindication. Let them say... Let them say, let them say once in a while. No, let them say continually, the Lord be magnified who delights in the prosperity of his servant. 
Now that, listen, you got to understand this. See, God loves broken people, but he cannot fully use broken people. This is the reason why he dedicates himself to the making of you of whole. Because you, as, only when he makes you whole can you fully be used in his kingdom. He loves the broken, but he can't fully use the broken. God did not create broken people. Adam did that. So God takes the light, receives pleasure in our wholeness. And that word prosperity there comes from the Hebrew shalom. It's amazing how in, our, in some of our churches you say prosperity and they go, Ooh, don't say that, we're in church. Yeah, you say shalom and they're like, amen, bro. But it means the same thing. Shalom, nothing broken. Nothing missing. Nothing missing. Your wholeness, your soundness, your welfare. See, God, when, 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 <sighs> when our bodies are no longer diseased and our minds and our emotions are no longer tormented and, 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 our, and our, our, our wallets no longer broken and our dreams no longer shattered and our hopes no longer deferred, when everything has been restored, everything is in its right place. Then we can go forth as the ambassadors of the living God with nothing broken, nothing missing. And be like our father, or like our master who said, if you've seen me, you've seen the father. Because in me there's nothing broken. The enemy's got no room to maneuver in me. Because I'm altogether whole. And as I am, so should you be. So he's always preparing us. He's saying, listen, listen. Years ago when he abandoned you, you left this piece of your soul behind. And you thought you would never be happy again. Let me restore that for you. You understand what I'm saying? Let me put that back in its place. And some of us, we've, been, we've learned to be handicapped. Uh -huh. And we've become comfortable with our handicaps. So when he tries to take our crutches away, we're like, no, I need those. And he's like, no, you don't. You don't. Yeah. Lord, I need my beggar's cloak. Uh -uh, talk about it, man. I need everyone to know what I've been through. God, I need to keep... Don't, don't touch my ashes. I like throwing them up uh -uh, in the air. Talk about it. Talk about it. I want to sit on the broken pottery. Because uh -uh, uh -uh. it's comfortable. Uh -uh. Lord, Lee, let me, let me have my pain. I can identify it. And he says, if you'll let me, I'll put this piece right back where it came from and you'll be altogether whole. Yes. And then you don't need your crutches no more. No. You don't need that pity no more. No. You don't need that cloak no more because you ain't a beggar no more. You can, you, can, you can go ahead and shop back all the ashes up of your life and dust it off again. And no one needs to know the hell you went through because of the heaven you're going to. That's are y'all with me this morning? So God takes great delight in the shalom. The shalom. Listen to this. Receiving the kingdom is not about self-indulgence. It's about true representation. And I'll start this morning's teaching now. It's about regaining that which was lost. Everything that was lost. Every dream you left behind, 
every joy you thought you would never experience again. God wants to restore all of it. In Genesis chapter 1, verse 26, Then God said, Let us make man in our image. Everyone say image. According to our likeness. Everyone say likeness. Now that word image has to do with representation. The word likeness has to do with appearance. I can honestly say God's got two arms. You want to know why? Because I got two. I can honestly say God's got ten fingers. You know why? Because I got ten. And barring any accidents, this is how God made me because I'm made in his likeness. But beyond the likeness is the image. Meaning when God created man, Adam was an exact representation, a mirror image of God himself. Adam had no scars. Because at that time before the Messiah died on the cross, God had no scars. God, Adam didn't walk with a limp. Because God didn't walk with a limp. Adam was clothed in glory. Because God was clothed. But let's just go ahead and let's read these verses too. Well, let me finish this. And let them rule over the fish of the sea, and the birds of the sky, and over the cattle, and over all the earth, and over every creeping thing that creeps on the earth. We'll discover in all of the things God gave us dominion over, He gave us dominion over our entire environment, but He did not give us dominion over each other. No one was created to be enslaved by another man. This is the reason why historically any time one race has been enslaved by another race, the enslaved race will always rise up in rebellion eventually. Why? Because man was not created to be a slave. Man was created to rule. Man was not created to be dominated. Man was created to dominate. And even in broken men, there's something on the inside of them that says, I am not my master's slave. I am the master. I'm the one. There's something in them, a spark of DNA, a light that's barely flickering, but something that tells them I'm more than this. I am not meant to work your field I'm meant to own my own I'm not meant to make you rich I'm meant to be rich I'm not meant to make you whole I'm meant to be whole God created him to rule in his image and in his likeness and then in Psalm chapter 8 verse 5 I want to read this to you out of different couple different translations Yet you have made him. Who's the him? It's man. What is man that thou art mindful of him? You've made him a little lower than God. If your translation says angels, it's because they were too scared to translate it right. Because the original language is Elohim. And Elohim ain't never ever referred to an angel. Elohim refers to one and one only, and that's Adonai, that's the Lord God Almighty. That's the Father, the Creator of heaven and earth. And the Bible says, Thou hast made him just a shade lower than Elohim. The difference between gray and driftwood gray. I can't see it. What's the difference? Well, gray has just a little bit more black pigmentation. Oh, really? It looks like you're just charging me more for adding the name Driftwood. But it's a shade lower. 
Just a shade. But with an undiscerning eye, you can't tell the difference. Do you know how man was originally made? He was made just to such a shade lower. That to the angels, they couldn't hardly tell the difference. Which is why most theologians believe that it was an angel that uttered Psalm 8. Because an angel looked and... What is man? They're mindful of him. You've, you've crowned him with your glory. You made him just a shade lower than you. You've made him to rule over all the works of your hands, the sun, the moon, the stars. What is this creature that looks just like you? What did you, is this okay this morning? My time's already up, but can I keep going? I won't be able to finish this next week because next week's USA Day. So I guess we'll have part three coming up after USA Day. You and I, listen, the whole thing about, oh, Jesus, help me. I didn't know there'd be so many rabbits. We have such a faulty idea of redemption. And we think that redemption is God's rescue plan. His insurance card to get us out of hell. No, 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 no. Redemption is about the restoration of everything being back to the way it was originally meant to be. God never abandoned his plan. That's right. Good, brother. That's good. Never. It's about the restoration back to where man was before he committed treason. Imagine... I got a book on a shelf, right? Now, I'm not going to drop it because it's my B-I-B-L-E. But imagine I drop it. I'm just only going to set it down. But if it's up on a shelf, and somehow in reaching for another book, I knock this one off, and it tumbles to the ground. It fell from its lofty position. Now, in order to pick it up, I've got to come down to where it is. Because that book ain't never going to pick itself up. So I got to come down to where it is. And I dust it off. Because I, I, I don't want none of that trash on it. Now, if I take that book which was on a shelf and I put it on a table, have I redeemed it? No, I didn't restore it to its rightful place. Okay, okay, I got you. Right? I got you now. That's not redemption. No, sir. Redemption is not God saying, you know what, I'm going to change my plan. I originally created you to be in my image and in my likeness and to rule over every environment you would ever encounter. But because Adam fell, I'm now going to take you halfway back to where you were. I'm going to give you just enough glory to make you shout on a Sunday, but you're going to have to suffer just like the unbeliever on Monday. No, I'm not going to make you completely whole. I'm not going to be your total healer. I'll heal you of a cold, but you'll still have to go through cancer. I'm not going to do it completely. I'm only going to put you halfway up. If that's the God you serve, you better find another church, bro. Because what he does in his love and in his grace is he puts you right back where you were so that you are in that... As he is, so am I in this world. Anything less is not redemption. 
Anything less is not the gospel. Anything less is not my Christ. He has restored me back to where he created me to be. It's called justification, just as if sin had never occurred. Let the king do his thing. Let him make you whole. Let him make you happy. Let him make you prosperous once again. Let the king do his thing. I don't want a half-lit gospel. I don't want a light beer gospel. I want it full-blown, bro. I want 100% alcohol content. So it burns out all the dross. And when you take a sip, it's like, yika, yika. Woo! You take enough sips, and it's, I feel good. I knew that I would. So good. So good. I got you. Boom, 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 boom. Ow! If you want a dignified pastor, there's a bunch of them in town. I is who I is, and that's all I'm ever going to be. But I'd rather enjoy his presence than try to impress you with my dictation or his addiction. I don't even know how to say it, so how can I impress you with it? Hallelujah. Can you give me a few more seconds? Listen, when we understand how great the gospel of Jesus Christ is, boy, I got... I, I guess I want to talk to you about being an ambassador of the kingdom. We ain't never going to get there today. You see, when we elevate the gospel to its true magnificence, and we're not trying to keep it down in order to keep the religious happy. No, it's going to make you mad, and that's okay, I'll live with it. But I'd rather receive the gospel in all of its fullness and all of its glory. Because the greater the gospel is in my life, the greater my humility is for receiving it. Amen. See, I want to present a gospel that is so glorious, no flesh, no flesh can boast about receiving it. Because only God could do this. Only God could put me in this place. Only God could make me so happy. See, truly, listen, the reason why there's ego in the church is because we only preach half the gospel. We mix a little bit of law with a little bit of grace, a little bit of flesh with a little bit of good news. And as long as there's flesh involved, there can be ego. Amen. But when we understand that His grace is so grand and so glorious, just like that book that fell, I could never lift myself. No, and if you got a problem with me being on the top shelf, that's where I came from. That's right. And when the book was started, it didn't say, Jimmy said, let me make myself in God's image. No, no. God said, let us. God said it. God said it. He said, let us make man in our likeness and our image and let them rule. That's where he created us. And that's where Jesus restored us. So we got to let the king do his thing. It ain't about ego because when it's this grand, it's this good and it's this glorious, all I can be is humble. So if you understand this, listen, my humility is always equal to His grace. If it's full-blown grace, it's full-blown humility. Because flesh 
can't take no credit for this. I can't give myself a kingdom. Are you kidding me? Do you know where I come from? I don't come from no kingdom, bro. But it doesn't matter where we come from. It's the Father's good pleasure to make you a king. It's the Father's good pleasure to dust you off. And everything that's corroded you and every, everything that has attached itself to you that's not part of his original plan, he says, that don't belong. That pain don't belong. That shame don't belong. That disease don't belong. That sin don't belong. That curse don't belong. That condemnation don't belong. And he knocks it all off and he says, now look at my child. Would you all look at my child? They look just like me. Glory to God. Oh, well, I know. This is an unending saga, man. I think 10,000 years in heaven, if we already ain't caught the bus and come back yet, we're going to still be amazed by his love, by his grace. I'm not going to preach on it. We'll pick this up in two weeks' time. But I do want to read one more verse, and that's where we'll stop. It'll be a good place to pick back up in two weeks' time. That gives you two weeks to let this simmer. Luke chapter 22, verse 29. And as we're putting that up on the screen out of the English Standard Version, everyone say this with me. I take my place, take my place to, do my father's will. to do my Father's will. Let's say that again. I take my place, take my place to do my Father's will. The reason, the reason why we got to let the king do his thing, going right back to how I started, because if he does it first, then we can respond from that place. So if we let him make us whole, now we can go forth from a place of wholeness instead of brokenness and do our Father's will. And let him put the ring back on your finger. Let him put that robe yes. back on your shoulders. Yes. Let him put those sandals Come on, on your feet Come on, so that you can enter into the fullness of his joy. Yes. Yes, Luke chapter 22, verse 29. This is where we'll stop. So, Jaleesa, you can start making your way this way. Prayer team, you can get ready to come up. And as we bring today's service to a close, if you need healing in your body, if you don't know Jesus Christ as your Lord, if you've not yet found your place in his kingdom, don't leave here. Let us pray with you and for you. Amen. Listen to what Jesus says in Luke chapter 22, verse 29. And I assign to you as my father assigned to me, a kingdom. 
Wait, we must have misread that. I promise I ain't going to preach on it. Though there's preach all over this verse right here. I assign to you. Everyone say, that's me. That's me. Jesus said, I assign to you as my Father assigned to me. When Pilate, in his audacity and his pride, Steve, looked at Jesus and said, are you a king? Because if you're a king, I shouldn't be able to do what I'm about to do to you. I'm paraphrasing. Are you a king? And Jesus said, you said it. Jesus didn't. Mm. Jesus was never a pauper. Jesus was never a beggar. He did not account equality with God as something to be grasped, and so he freely divorced himself of that which was his. But he was a king on the earth because he came as the second Adam. And the first Adam was crowned with glory. When, now oh, come on, now I'm not preaching. I ain't preaching. This ain't a preach. When Jesus let the glory slip, remember when they appeared with him on the mountain? And he shone or he shined like the noonday sun. That's what was always there. always there. But he just had to hide it so mortal man yeah. could interact with him. But Jesus is walking in glory. Yeah. See, Pete, you, I, look at, I don't see your glory. But if God would lift the veil, you're a glorious being yeah. right now. Yeah. You shine with his glory. It's there. Because yeah. as he is, so are you. And you're fully restored. So when he, they, he, when he, in his pride and arrogance, said, are you a king? Jesus said, bro, you got that right. <laughs> and he said, now my kingdom ain't like your kingdom. Your kingdom's temporary. You got a few soldiers. If I wanted to, I could call forth a legion of angels, wipe out every one of you jokers. You say I'm a king and you got that right, but I'm a king like you ain't never seen before. You ain't never seen a king like me before. But pretty soon you're going to see an entire population of them. That's the reason why in the book of Revelations he's revealed as the king. Jesus said, I'm assigning to you in the exact same way it was assigned to me. By my father. A kingdom. So when you go forth from this place, you don't go out into the world as a beggar. You don't go out into the world who does not have any resources and does not have any help and does not have any joy. You go out into this world. You leave this place this morning knowing you are royalty in the eyes of God. And all of the resources of heaven are yours. You ain't a beggar. You ain't a moocher. You ain't a... You are a child of the king and you are a king with all of the resources of a kingdom. Jaleesa and so you better get up here otherwise I'll start preaching now. Give the Lord a hand clap of praise y'all. Test, test, one, two, one, 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 one. Pastor, that was good, first of all. Amen. <laughs> Amen.
Hello, everyone. It is great to see you guys. I hope that you're doing well. Y'all doing good? That's good. It's good to see y'all. 